with ad reform, we've hired a decent amount of people in the Philippines over the last like five years. And like after we hired a few people, every time we were hiring somebody after that, like that team that was already in the Philippines, like, you know, and has a network there and knows people there, like they would just go find people for us and they would train them up and all that sort of stuff. But we were like, if we have a team in the Philippines and they're already doing this right now, can we just like, should we just extend this as a service to other companies like us that might want to, you know, grow their teams a bit faster at a bit lower cost? One characteristic emerged as a significant predictor of success. It was grit. And I'm back. What's going on? After a long hiatus, I was looking back at the episode list. March 24th was my last appearance on the podcast. Mm. That's a long time. You must have had a baby or something. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a longer time than that, honestly. Yeah. It was a short three weeks, two or three weeks after that episode that our third child was born, Miller, who's doing well, sleeping a little bit more, but not perfectly, obviously, yet. So, yeah. It's good to be back, though. It's good to be back. Thanks for holding it down in my absence. Great episodes. It's nice being just a podcast listener. I can just (laughs) tune in and catch the episode, catch cool interviews. So it's all good. Yeah, we need to get, I think we need to start doing a lot more interviews than we have been. I feel like our interviews are actually like our most popular episodes, I think. think If you look back at the... Yeah, I guess we have, there's a place to find this. This is a knowable thing. Let me see. Well, while I'm looking that up, you keep bragging about your interview skills. Yeah, if you look at the, I don't know if this is why this is the case, but if you look at the titles of the episodes, the most, I wouldn't say any of our episode titles are like juicy. You know, they're not like CNN juicy, but like some of them are definitely juicier than others. And those all seem to be at the top. So it's like, you basically just have to sell your soul and like put a title out there that's clickbait and people listen to it a lot more. I think it's like the titles are a little more eye-catching when you're referencing other people, other companies, and like little milestones. That have done cooler stuff. <laughs> yeah. Sold for 60 million. Basically, it's like how to make friends is to hang out with people who are cooler than you are, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I think too, it's like obviously it gets surfaced in other spheres somewhat. So Yeah. But yeah, it looks like our, let's see, I'm looking, top episodes all time. Actually, of the top five, I mean, our first episode is number four. Of the top five, only two are interviews, as it turns out. But they're the top two? Number one and number three. You like how I slanted this? But yeah, number one <laughs> is an interview and number three is an interview. And they well, both have some interesting, juicy, sort of like eye-catching stuff. Of the top 10, I think we have four interviews. So yeah, it's about, I mean, you could say it's like almost half, 40% of our top episodes are yeah interviews. So there you go. We should do more of it. I mean, I feel like we know a lot of interesting people like in the startup or entrepreneur space i feel like we should just be bringing more people on but we just i don't know what it is but we just haven't mostly because we just haven't recorded enough in general but hopefully we'll be it's (laughs) one of those things like a lot of things where the more you do it the easier it is because you just get it just becomes like routine because i mean there's so many people that we have on that aren't even it's not like a big deal to schedule it's not like strangers and stuff that you're trying to reach out to so it's it's actually very easy to do so i think it's just like a habit to build so a lot of the people we actually have brought on are kind of strangers. <laughs> Funny. Like, if you look I mean, at some of the it's people... A mi- I wouldn't say... Yeah, I guess there's like a... Not like complete spectrum. strangers, but yeah. like definitely not people that we know. But but most people we've interacted with outside... It's not like we are doing cold outreach to someone we don't have any sort of... Like, even like Twitter relationship with or or maybe we use a lot of their products or something. Yep. So. Yep. Anyway, but yeah, it's good to be back. And hopefully I will be back more <laughs> routinely. Yeah, I don't remember when we recorded i don't think i had covid the last time that we recorded but you just listened to that yeah but i did have covid so that's also a reason we didn't record like my whole family got covid and yeah everyone's doing well from my understanding yes but now my dad has covid and my brother has covid (laughs) so i assume my mom's gonna get covid maybe some other wild out there right now it's a domino effect yeah the weird thing is we with it you got like the scattered oh yeah I don't know if that's coming through on the microphone. Oh, I thought that was my kid. <laughs> well, the joys of parenting over here. Let's see. We try to find this little segment of time at 
eight thirty at night to record, and no time is free from the kids. These kids, they just—I mean, normally. So that was actually Miller, who's about three months old, and he normally goes to bed at like he's usually sleeping at like seven or seven fifteen. Now it's eight thirty, and he's doing that. But I think he's settling back down. Maybe if not, I will pause. It's all good. It's all good. We're good for right now. So let's keep going. Yeah. So I think today we just wanted to, we had a couple of different things that we wanted to talk about, but we haven't really talked about on the podcast yet, but we've been working on a few new business ventures probably over the last, what, three months or so, maybe a little longer than that. I can't remember, but yeah, we sold user feed to focus on one thing and now we're doing and three we did things that and we got sick of that and now <laughs> we we're got doing sick of that things. we just skipped two like, and now we're doing three. Thing, we tried two things we tried one thing again and now we're going to try like 20 things yeah we're doing three things but there is another thing that we might do as well so yeah we're going to do a few things and we're also going to be more open to doing more than a few things yeah the funny thing i think i posted this on twitter but because we're doing all of these different things or at least like setting them up or in place you know websites you know websites different stripe accounts like all these different things but I thought I put something on Twitter. It was like a picture of all of the Stripe accounts that I have under like a parent account. There's like four or five. <laughs> Same thing with the bank account. We have one bank account with, what is it? Relay Finance or something? Relay Finance. And then within that, we have like five checking accounts <laughs> for every single yeah, it's getting wild. business. I was trying to get that domain since we haven't, <laughs> since we haven't gotten it yet. So... For those listening, Kyle and I were talking before we got on the podcast. And for one of the new things that we're in the process of building, we forgot to get the domain. So <laughs> yeah, we, we realized we that as we were on the call. Like, Wait a second. I thought you bought it. I yeah. Bought it. So I just went into Relay, which is what we were talking about before you had to jump. I created a card. So you can create separate checking accounts and separate virtual cards. So I just created one and tried to buy the domain on Google. And it failed and canceled the payments <laughs> so not That's sure fair. why that happened but oh you might want to make sure the pay like the cardholder name is like correct it might be the business name or your name that's an issue i ran into it might be under the business name as the cardholder name not your name i don't think they asked that on google but mm, i mean it doesn't matter well, i'll do it after but this is live we almost support yeah there we go <laughs> enough time to make a credit card and buy a domain while kyle Puts his kid to bed. Yeah, relay. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I am solo right now, so I'm, you know, I'm on watch. But yeah, relay is awesome. I can't remember how I came across them. I think it's someone from formerly of Wave, if I'm not mistaken, mm. started it, which is oh, what cool. we also use for accounting. But yeah, it's super cool that you can create a bunch of different accounts. And I think they have some newer stuff with like rules, which is what I have always wanted, which is like the profit first style. I think you can like automate transfers within accounts. So you could like set aside taxes or whatever. So anyway. Oh, I realized. Interested. I need to get a referral code or something. I know why it failed. Because we have no money in the account. Oh, well, that's <laughs> Why is this coming back as insufficient? That's hilarious. But okay. So anyways, we started a couple new things. And we've had to like, the way that we did it last time when we kind of rolled it up under one, like the ad reform business and just had, this was sort of just like an asset of that business. The first thing we did this time was we created a completely separate business. And then these different things or these different businesses will just be assets under that separate business called Zero Mile or ZeroMile.io. But this time we're keeping everything separate. So expenses are separated by cards and checking accounts. Stripe accounts are separate. Like every, literally everything is separated. Separate wave accounts for accounting. Like everything is separate, which is actually pretty annoying to go do, <laughs> but it will save us in the long term. If we ever decide to sell any of these things, we'll have separate expenses, separate revenue, separate P&Ls, and it'll be nice and easy to, you know, just give it, hand it over to somebody that's looking to acquire the business. So what's the book called? Like built to sell. This is like the modern version of it. This is what you have to do. <laughs> you got to like do all these different accounts. Luckily, I mean... It could definitely be better. Obviously, most of these tools are not catering to this use case because like, I don't think it's common. It's not that common. But it's also not 
it could be worse, I guess. A lot of them do have support for like multiple accounts, so you can like jump through. You can jump around without having to like log out and log back in and stuff, which is cool. But yeah, it's definitely a hassle. Like the relay financial model of having like one account with a bunch of one like login with a bunch of bank accounts. It would be cool if that were extended to like if you could kind of have like a I don't know overarching organization and then have all these tools like splinter off without having to set it all up. But I mean, once it's up and running, it's mostly easy enough, but it is like a lot of stuff to, I mean, we ran into this even when we had user feed where it's like a lot of stuff to keep in your head, even like which card am I supposed to use when I'm going to sign up for this product or whatever can be kind of annoying. Um, Yeah. And I imagine at some point we might actually have, well, actually, no, we already do have it, but (laughs) I got another, or maybe I did that for ad reform. I can't remember. See, you're already confused. Yep, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> no, it's because you have, so you can get the, like, with the bank account, of course, you can get cards with your bank account. So you can get those cards, whether they're physical or virtual. But then often you want to use, like, you would rather use, like, a credit card that you can get some sort of cash back or rewards or whatever. That's a part that's annoying. Like, Relay is cool because you can get it. It's easy to do, like, accounts with debit cards. But then if you want to try to, like, collect some rewards, it's like, okay, now I'll go to a different product and sign up for, like, five of those. Well, yeah, I've also been doing it with ad reform too because Brex, apparently Brex is, <laughs> yeah, they basically are just like booting out like all bootstrap startups or bit, I guess small we could businesses. Have seen, so. Oh, should we, has this been called Brexit yet? Brexit? On that. That's, Boom. That's, that's perfect. I think some people did that on Twitter. Like oh, okay. I think Ramp, I which is the one. someone else has not made that joke already. Cause yeah. I think I saw a couple of companies trying to take advantage of the situation and they were like, well, actually, that was one, one of them used that, that line. Yeah, I think Relay even might maybe... Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it was them. We should have seen that coming because I remember when we first tried to get Brex, which at the time was like, I don't know if it was before Mercury and all those or just, it seemed like the first one that had like great perks, I think is why we were getting it. And they rejected us because we didn't have like big VC money yeah. or something. So, I mean, it's not a complete shock that they decided to do this, but mm-hmm. it's a bummer. All the like historical business cards are focused solely on like travel related things so uber flights hotels because i think you're traveling everywhere and whining and dining all these customers but obviously most smaller SaaS companies aren't doing that so what are our expenses they're like it's software so can we just get like rewards on that and that's kind of where brex they were like the first ones to do that but ramp does it as well and they're growing super fast so we just moved over to them but We'll see how it goes. Yeah, so we're meandering our way through this, but it was funny because you just you created the ramp stuff and got some ramp cards. And then I was like, I need to go update a card in one of these things just by coincidence. So I'll use the new ramp card and it got rejected. I was like, okay, great. What? Off to a great start. I think it was like a, I don't know exactly what happened, but I had to like talk to their support, which their support was very responsive and fixed the issue. So yeah, well, I got mine. Did you get your physical card yet? It's pretty cool. Like it has your, I don't think I even, it's got like the ad reform one. Yeah, it's got like the logo and all this stuff. Like it just looks cool. I suddenly have like way too many physical. I literally, I think I've used a physical business credit card like twice. Yeah. And I have, because we have the old Bank of America one. I have a Brex one. And now I'm going to have this one. So, and maybe a Relay one. Well, my daughter found ours and and now it's gone. So I got to figure out where that. (laughs) Oh, great. Maybe that's why I got Maybe that's why we have the domain. Yeah. One of our kids is like buying stuff already. But yeah, so we're doing all these different things to put all this stuff like in place so that we can build things and potentially somewhere down the line potentially sell them but yeah so i guess we should talk about what the things are and i guess just a quick footnote there like i think that's one thing that so with user feed we didn't separate everything we did separate the business like a legal entity and we did or wait did we do a legal entity actually i don't think we did but we did no, do we a separate like revenue account, but we did not Stripe. separate out the expenses. But I think that's one thing in general that we've struggled with because it's like we aren't really like building these things with the intent to sell them necessarily. So it can feel like such a hassle upfront to be doing all this stupid setup when you just want to like you just want to get into it and start shipping like meaningful things instead of like which Stripe keys do I use or whatever. So, but we also I think like it, it is worth it. That was our we, mindset last time, like 100% our mindset. It's like, whatever, like, let's just... But I think it's still move. like the mindset of even within what we have, like, there's certain things that may never make sense. I mean, it definitely changes now because MicroAcquire is more of like a viable channel to sell into. 
than it was even when we started user feed. So it feels more like, oh, maybe there's a world where you're just like kind of like shedding these random things for little small amounts or whatever. So it's worth it. I mean, I think it'll be worth it is what I have to tell myself that it'll all be separate, even though it'll be kind of annoying. And I'm hoping to set up like my browser profiles or whatever to make it a little less terrible. But yeah, no, it's going to be it'll be good. I think it'll be good. But yes. So one of the businesses is a hiring business, which is there's no tech behind it really at all. (laughs) I guess there's some tech behind the scenes, but it's called Hire with Grit. So kind of staying on the branding there, hirewithgrit.com. And so with ad reform, we've hired a decent amount of people in the Philippines over the last like five years. And like after we hired a few people, every time we were hiring somebody after that, like that team that was already in the Philippines, like, you know, and has a network there and knows people there, like they would just go find people for us and they would train them up and all that sort of stuff. But we were like, if we have a team in the Philippines and they're already doing this right now, couldn't we just like, shouldn't we just extend this as a service to other companies like us that might want to, you know, grow their teams a bit faster at a bit lower cost? So, you know, I think it was an easy thing for us to want to jump into given that we, you know, we already have some folks there. So it's not as much like we don't have to do that much work to sort of operate the business once we sort of figure it out. We're definitely still in the figuring out phase right now, but we've already got a number of different opportunities that we're talking to different customers about roles they want to fill. And I think, you know, there's obviously a number of different companies that are doing this, but I think this business lines up so well with like what's happening in the world, like over the last like few years where you have COVID and now everybody's much more open to hiring people remotely. And then on top of that, you know, we're dealing with this, I think we're in a recession, but like, let's say we're like almost in a recession or whatever. And then inflation, all these different things, you know, obviously companies are going to start to at least slow down, cut back potentially from a hiring perspective, but they're still trying to grow. And so, you know, they're going to want to still hire folks, maybe just not hiring folks in areas where it's like, you know, you have to pay like 400 thousand dollars for an engineer or something right in the you know in silicon valley so i think i think it's a unique time to enter that market i think there's a ton of different you know there's a lot of people doing that but i think it's such a big market and such a growing market that it won't matter and we can have a nice little business and we can start to figure out some sort of niche within that i don't know we haven't really figured that out yet but it's sort of you know as we get more into it i think we'll figure out a nice little niche for ourselves well and this is something that we've like batted around the idea of doing for a while. So I kind of think of it too, as just like, let's just try it, see what happens. Like maybe, yeah, maybe we find out that we need to like niche it down to a certain thing, or maybe it just doesn't make any sense at all or whatever, but it's kind of fun to like experiment. And since it doesn't have a bunch, it's not like spend six months building a software product. Like it's a low initial effort, although obviously there's ongoing like services necessary, but. Well, I think if you can, yeah, you're going to spend some upfront time like trying to understand the business a little bit and the what goes into the process of finding folks you know working with companies to figure out what they're looking for and then you know how that process all works and then trying to obviously just make that as efficient as possible over time i think right now we're definitely in the stage of it's not efficient at all and we're (laughs) we're just trying to yeah i mean figure it out but yeah we've got some stuff going i mean we've only been doing it for i don't know We've had the website up for a few weeks now, maybe. We've already got like two different companies, like with opportunities of which I've never met these people. Like, I don't know. Yeah, they're they're like, not like friendly. I'm not at even all. sure where they came from. Yeah, I don't even know how they found us, but <laughs> but they're finding us. I think somebody said they found us on Reddit and the other one said they found us on Twitter, which I'm like, what? On Twitter? We don't even have a profile for it. I probably posted like one thing and somebody just ran across it, which is just insane that that kind of stuff happens. But, but, yeah, but yeah, so it'll be cool to like see kind of like check in on this business in like three, six months and like see what it feels like at that point. Well, it, it also potentially is complementary to what we're doing at Ad Reform because we work with a lot of different, you know, companies in the ad tech ecosystem. A lot of those companies do some outsourcing. So they use like these outsourced ad ops agencies. But I think they're sort of like, I don't know, like some of these companies that we'll see, they'll do a little bit of everything. So they have obviously their own in-house team 
they'll have some folks that are contractors overseas, and then they'll also maybe have an outsource team for something else. So I think that this potentially could be something that we also sell to our own customers at Adderform. And I've already mentioned it to some different companies like in demos and stuff. So yeah, I think it definitely has promise. But yeah, like I said, it's pretty easy to get it off the ground. I think we have a website with like a form. What's the form? I forgot the name. Tally. Yeah. A tally form. And it's hooked up to Slack, basically. And we just go from there. So yeah, we'll report back on it. But so far, so good. And I'm working some of these things right now with these customers. So it's been interesting so far. So we'll see what happens. But the other business is called Docs Fresh, And we still don't have the domain. But by the time you listen to this, we will. If we don't, please. Don't <laughs> if we don't, then <laughs> please buy it and steal it. And we deserve Maybe, that. Yeah, mark it up. So yeah, you can go to zeromile.io and then it's like number sign docs fresh. It's meant to be kind of hidden at this point because we're kind of just sending it to people we want to send it to at this point to get their feedback. But it's just a landing page talking about the problem we're trying to solve. But basically the problem we're trying to solve is, you know, anybody that runs a software business knows that, you know, I hope you're constantly making updates to the product. And if you are, and you have some sort of like knowledge base or help center for your customers, which I would say most people do, that help center becomes super stale pretty quickly when you're making these updates every week on your product or every month or however, you know, whatever your frequency is. So it's a hard problem to solve and there's a lot of layers to it. But I think right now, most people don't have any way to solve this in like in any possible way other than to like do it completely manually, maybe like pulling out all of your articles from like your knowledge base and then putting them all in notion and then just remembering to go back whenever things change, which nobody does that. And it's just, that's not like, that's not realistic. So we're going to work on a product and we'll start it off as an intercom app, just because that's kind of like a market we know. And we use intercom. And we use, and we use intercom. And so like, this will be our product first, but yeah, so we'll, you know, if you are an intercom customer, reach out to us. Yeah. By the time you hear this, you can go to docsfresh.com. <laughs> if there's not a landing page there, then yep. please don't buy it. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to say anything about that, but that one we haven't really gone to market with yet because it doesn't really exist yet. But yeah, it's in flight. I mean, it's been interesting architecting it, having gone through the user feed experience. Like I definitely feel it's taken longer to like, I felt more, I guess I've been trying to be more thoughtful about the data model and like stuff like that. When we built user feed, it was very like, we built it for ourselves and kind of just did it as fast as we could at the beginning. And I think there's obviously value to that and it worked out fine, but it got a little bit like, if you were to say to me like, Hey, let's extend user feed to, to work with like help scout. That would be a bit of a, an undertaking. It would be possible, but it wasn't really built with that in mind. So I'm trying to, I don't know if we'll end up doing that, but I'm trying to be a little bit more like create a little bit more structure that if we did decide to do that, it wouldn't be like a huge deal. So we'll see. I think it's going to be super cool. And every time I think about like, I just have experienced this directly as like someone who should be updating my own docs. And then also as a customer of other software, when it's like, our docs are, are like old, like this, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. It gets stale so fast. But I think one thing too, like for, I think a lot of the people that listen to our podcast that are thinking of like ideas or markets to go into, you know, I think this is one where, I don't know, you know, I don't think it's like a billion dollar market or anything. You know, I don't even know if it's like, it's probably not like a, you know, hundred million dollar market. But so the nice thing about like intercom versus just getting something out there is that you have an immediate, just like almost immediately you have a channel for customers. And if you know anything about intercom, they've just been going up market like crazy the last few years. And so they have a lot of customers, a lot of bigger customers that are paying you know, probably, I don't know, what do you think? Upwards of like 10. Is that a like, technical amount? Yeah, like probably like five to six figures a year. And like, I it is say. one of those things where even at our scale, like our bill can randomly get a little wild. Yeah. And I have that thought. I mean, we've talked about like, oh, should we do something else? And it's just, they cover a lot of surface area that if you want to do it yourself, like if you want to break away from them, you have to cobble stuff together in a way that I'm like, I don't know if this is, worth the hassle and like you lose that sort of like unified customer data platform thing so that's why people stay yeah so there's like a lot of people spending a lot of money and i will say like the app store 
is kind of weird because it's not like a place where, I mean, we found this at user feed and bump. There aren't like a ton of people there like shopping for, it's not like the app store, iTunes app store, whatever you call it. Like it's like a place to extend intercom and like a lot of people never even go to it or they just go install like the one like Stripe app or whatever they need. But it's better than nothing because it's like a highly trafficked thing, at least even if they're just going to install things they already know about. And the team at Intercom, at least in the past, was pretty helpful about trying to like promote other apps. So hopefully that'll continue. Yeah, I think the thing, you know, with them that I see, like obviously some people are going to see it in the app store, but just the idea that these people are paying that much money for something, like our thing is not even like on the radar of being like anywhere, like it's a swipe of a credit card and you want it to be like frictionless. So I think from that standpoint, you know, we're not going into one of these platforms. Like I think if you went into like a HubSpot or something like that, that's a little bit harder. I would say they probably also have like big customers too. So I could be totally wrong. I just don't know enough about that. Maybe that's a bad example, but like maybe like a crisp, right? If you were to build something there, like probably most of their customers are pretty small. So you're just going to run into that objection all the time. So like what we found with Bump, since it was like $8 a month or whatever it was, Literally nobody ever balked at the price, ever. Not one company balked at the price the entire time that we had that, you know, owned that business. And it was, you know, there might be other reasons why they don't move forward, but it was never price. And so to me, it's like, that's one less thing I have to like worry about in terms of trying to, you know, acquire customers. Yeah. If you're a capital light company, basically like a little standalone app that has like no overhead you can charge a little, just a tiny amount to make the business work relative to the amount that they're spending. And it's like, if it's a decent problem, then it's like, cool, they'll just buy it. Well, here's the thing too. Like we, so with user feed, we did, we actually did go outbound a decent bit in the beginning and it worked okay. Well, I don't think it worked that well, but it was like, it did work sometimes, but the feedback space in general is super crowded. So we're going in, you know, talking to, trying to reach out to these like intercom customers with a message that I think, you know, they're hearing a lot of because they're seeing other products that are, you know, at least in the same space. But I think if we would have gone to market with bump and then, you know, in the future, when we go, if we went to market trying to go outbound with DocFresh, there's like either there's no competition or maybe there's like one other app or something. So they're not seeing that stuff all the time. I think it's a little bit easier to garner their interest. Yeah, you're so, not, I mean, that's part of the identification of this as a problem is that it's like sort of under or not served at all. And yeah, the feedback thing was like, you're displacing something or you're competing with five other things that are very similar. And yeah, another thing we ran into there was like, we crossed teams because it's like you spawn, like we would first hit like support people, but then like product people would get involved and it was harder to like figure out who to talk to and convince everybody. Yeah. Whereas sure. if it's just like, hey, this is a support workflow improvement or like this is a which is bump or like this is a way to keep your content up to date which i guess may spawn multiple teams but is like so obviously understandable that it should be a pretty easy hopefully stay tuned but hopefully yeah, stay it's tuned. Not, a, not a hard sell i guess the other one is if you listen to this podcast you've probably heard of this but we have spent a bit more time on it and then spent a little bit more time on the marketing of it which is hill charts or is it just hill it's hill chart hillchart.app I always forget the URLs, but which I was pumped because whenever I did this, I don't even remember when I did this, but I got the at Hillchart handle on Twitter. Not that that was like highly competitive, but I thought it was funny. That, that was yeah, horrible. that's awesome. Not, but not yeah, so we don't follow it. There's nothing happening there. We've been doing a little bit of marketing, kind of some SEO type stuff with Hillchart. And we also whipped up kind of a new website and that's been getting a lot of action. Well, it's also been fun because there's we, signups every day. I don't know if we talked about this, how much we talked about this on the podcast before, but it's been fun because we basically built that like for internal purposes. And then that was like, I think three, two or three years ago that we first built like the basic version of it. And it just kind of sat out there and no one knew about it. And then I threw like a billing thing on there and like actually got a few random customers that paid. It was like super cheap. I forgot. It was like tens of dollars, like, you know, 30 bucks a year or something just to be like, Hey, thanks for subsidizing the cost of this thing. And then earlier this year, we were like, let's just make it free. Cause it's like, we're not making, it's just a loser on the money side. And so we did that. And it's been cool to see like 
a lot of, and I know you've been kind of putting it out there more, but it's such a simple thing. And like, if you don't use Basecamp, you just can't do it. So there's a lot of people interested in it. So it's been fun to see that traffic trickle through. For sure. Yeah, it's, I don't know, there's something like, one of the reasons we got away from having the multiple products was because it's hard to have multiple products. But one of the things that like was something that I really liked was always having something going on from like a customer interaction standpoint. And some people out there might be like, oh my God, that sounds awful. Like, (laughs) what do you mean customer interactions like support or whatever? But just having like a constant flow of signups, you know, on different things. Because at Reform, we get signups. It's like a high ticket SaaS, not high ticket, but like fairly high ticket. So like our average deal size, I think it's like somewhere around a thousand dollars a month. So, you know, we built that business not on like this insane lead flow. It's just that, the customers we do have spend a good amount of money. So we don't have like tons of customers, but so we get like decent leads there. Maybe we get like, I don't know, one a day type of thing, but Hill charts, you know, is getting multiple every day. So you got that ringing over there and you know, we're not getting money from it, but it's kind of cool to see some pretty big names of companies that are finding it and using it. And hopefully that, you know, our hope is that that sort of like, again, sort of, brings more brand awareness to like our entire brand of businesses and maybe they like follow us and purchase other things from us like down the line based on the other things we're building so and we get more feedback like yeah we haven't committed a bunch of development time to some of it but like got some more bug reports got some like cool feature requests some of which we already had like identified and like could see a path to like it's not gonna be you know I don't think Hillcharts as a standalone app is going to be some massive business, but I could see a path to having like a free tier and like an inexpensive paid tier with a few of the like power user features. Because again, it's one of those things where like if you do use it, it's kind of a no brainer if you're already using, let's say, Notion or one of these things where you're probably spending, I don't know, four figures a year or whatever. It's like whatever, what's another few hundred bucks or something. So we'll see. Like we've been a lot in a good way, we've been a lot more stingy with our time. So it's like, I'm not going to like spend a month just building stuff on hill charts, at least not right now. But well, I mean, with all these things, too, it's like we may find that we in like a couple months are like, nope, this isn't worth our effort or time. And you'll never hear it about again. You'll never hear about it. again. Or (laughs) just or like this has been a perfect example of something where because it just sits out there and like it generally works fairly well. I mean, it's a super simple product. Like if we just never do anything ever again, like it's still providing value, at least to us and to a handful of people. So. Well, here's the thing too, like this is not, I wouldn't say this is the main reason, but obviously, and we've talked about it on the podcast before and you probably hear about it every day on the news, but there's definitely like the economy, at least in the US, I guess around the world too, you know, there's definitely some challenges going on right now. And for us, like, you know, ad reform is in the ad business. And like the one thing everybody knows about the ad business is when certain things happen in the economy a lot of times the first thing that people that companies freeze or slow down in terms of like their expenses is advertising so that hasn't happened yet but i think it's good to have sort of like to diversify a little bit if we can like heading into this you know so we don't have all of our eggs in one basket in the ad world basket which i think you know during certain seasons you know of the economy you know could be potentially rocky i mean it was during covid like when that first happened, everything froze. We lost like 15% of our revenue overnight. And we were like, oh crap, like what are we going to do? But, you know, I think having a few different things is just a nice way to, like we don't have, we wouldn't have to completely rely on it. So that's another reason why it feels like the right thing to do or the right time to do some of this stuff. Yeah, totally. I think we also gave, like we did the wholesale, we did a full like over a year of just one thing and grew the team and like grew the business and stuff. So not like we're done doing that, but like, and we're in a, we talked a lot about the idea of doing more things again, because it's always something we're identifying like other little ideas and stuff. And so we've also been much more like explicit with ourselves that we're going to be smart about how we commit resources to this. So I think that's a big part of it. But yeah, I think the diversification thing is like, it's a great point because it's technically true. Like, you know, obviously those things maybe go up and down together. Like it's hard to know how the correlation between different markets necessarily, but it's also just peace of mind, a little bit of peace of mind for like a bootstrap company with, there's not like a giant check waiting to be cashed somewhere. It's just like, 
it's nice to have multiple things going on and feel like if something is kind of like slowing down, you can try to speed something up in another spot. And, and it's fun to like learn about other industries and other types of businesses, how they work, what levers can you pull to grow them? So for me, it's like, I don't know, like I told you, I told you this, but like, even though, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you should focus on one thing. And that might be true if you want to be like as productive as possible on that one thing. But I get, I personally get a lot of energy from s starting stuff, getting something like off the ground and trying to figure out, you know, how to do that. So like, it's fun for me. It's like, this is like, you know, this is definitely fun for me. Whereas, you know, with ad reform, we're not at that stage anymore. It's more of like trying to optimize and, you know, you're constantly iterating and optimizing and like that sort of thing. But I think at the beginning, there's just like a different, it's a totally different process to like getting something off the ground, like getting some traction and figuring out how to find that lane or whatever to, you know, scaling it a little bit. So anyways, it's fun for me. So like, it's like, whatever, maybe it's not like the most productive thing to do, but I enjoy it. So yeah, I oh, mean, well. it, it all just comes back <laughs> to like, what are you trying to optimize for? Yeah. Like, if you're trying to make as much money in as little time as possible, like there's probably, we should all go get jobs at like Google or something. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So I think one of the underpinnings of like do one thing is like, obviously, if you're doing multiple things, you have to have some discipline and it's easier to just tell people to just do one thing than to like try to teach everyone how to be disciplined. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a lot of the, a lot of those things are just like shortcuts for harder things. And I wouldn't say we're perfect at that by any means, but we're trying and we're having fun and we've, you know, we've done we started and sold something and we have started and kept something. And like, so it's fun to just sort of like do different things and like make different little bets and stuff. So I mean, for sure. we'll keep, we'll keep doing it for now. Yeah. We'll give updates on all these different businesses. And once we have more, like a couple of these are like just either, like not even off the ground yet, or like we're just getting our first deals. So there's not much to talk about in terms of like growth or revenue. So, but we'll definitely keep everybody in the loop on that. And of course, if you think like any of these different products or services could be useful to you, definitely feel free to reach out. But yeah, I guess this flows nicely into our next topic, which, you know, for <laughs> one of the other things we've had to build with all of these different things are different websites, whether those are like a, just like a simple landing page or like a larger site. And one of the other things that we have started doing is I guess the right way to preface this would be we, you know, along the topic of the economy and everything, like one thing that we always look in the bank account and see getting drained out is everything we're spending on the podcast. So which actually I would say this process of spinning up all these accounts just made it more stark because it's yeah. not just buried in like the list of all the Adderform stuff. It's like, oh, oh, okay. We have to have like a separate account for this. So you're just watching the money just disappear. Yeah. And I don't, it's not that, I mean, it's, it's really not that much in the scheme of things, but it's like, I would say it's probably, we probably spend what, 300, 350 a month. Yeah. I mean, it's basically just like hosting and like this recording and editing. I mean, yeah, it's not expensive, but, but it's not nothing, especially, not yeah, yeah. Like if we got rid of that loss, I mean, you know, somebody could make more money, right? Like, or multiple people could make more money. So it's one of those things where I think you know, going into the current economic environment, like we need to do everything we can to, you know, pull whatever levers we can to like, not lose as much money in certain areas. Well, and sort of just like on a more basic level, too, it's just like, justify continuing to do this, or at least experiment with trying to sustain it in its own way, instead of like subsidizing it with all the other stuff. Yep. So yeah. So we thought I was like, why don't we just get a sponsor for the podcast? Or for, you know, each episode? Another thing that we've talked about it before on the podcast, but one of the episodes we have wanted to do was like sort of like an entire episode on like all the different products and services that we use to run our businesses. So we just, we kind of thought like, well, instead of doing that, why don't we just reach out to those different products and services and ask them if they want to be a sponsor on the podcast or, you know, sponsor an episode or multiple episodes and we'll just talk about their product because it's something we already use. And we were going to talk about it anyways in like one podcast, but, you know, we'll kind of like spread it out, right? So, yeah, so we're starting a sponsorship opportunity for companies that at least it, for the time being, it'll be companies that we use and that we like really like and would want to, you know, it's something we would pitch to anybody at like if we were getting coffee with them or whatever. 
And our first sponsor for this episode and for some future episodes is Punchlist. Punchlist.com. Punchlist.com. Somewhat recent, I think, uh, that they got the .com. So that's cool. What episode was it that we had? Well, so yeah, Pete was on... I think there's two episodes, right? Yeah, he's, on, he's been on twice. So he was on recently. He was on in April and talked yeah, about... Yeah, so if you want, if you want like a really, really good like the best pitch for their product, you probably should go listen to one of those episodes. <laughs> but we'll do our best as users. Yeah, this is the you know unbiased customer orientation. But yeah, he was on episode, what is that? Episode 48 or something? Yeah, episode yeah. 48 with you. And then he was on way back, I'm trying to remember. We actually had him, I'm trying to, it was like that. It was funny, like the, we had him in the office. Yeah, one of the first. So can, that tells you how long ago that was. One of the first 10. And, you know, he has a really interesting story about how he's built that business and how they've kind of started out as a bootstrap company. Then they joined Techstars and then they raised, you know, millions of dollars and they're really kind of growing the business. But he's built a great product. The way that I sort of like pushed ourselves into or jumped into this part of the conversation was through all the websites that we're building. So Punchlist allows you to take, I believe, any type of like any type of file as well as live websites and be able to annotate those, collaborate, comment on websites and PDFs and you know other images back and forth with someone via a shareable link all the way until you get approvals on those things. So I'm not sure, I would assume like agencies are their typical use case, but I think SaaS companies as well because they do a great job of taking like a live website with, you know, if your website has like, a video or like animation, you can annotate it, you can go back and forth and comment on certain headlines or videos or anything that's animated, scrolling down the page, that sort of thing. So I know we used it quite a bit when we redid the hill chart site. And then we've used it a number of times for ad reform over the years, as we've made updates, especially when we moved, what were we using before we used to host our marketing site in the like in our oh, web yeah. app, yep. which was as bad as it sounds. Yeah. So we finally broke that out to Webflow and we used it a fair amount yep. for that. One thing that's super cool too is like you can do desktop and mobile views. So like the annotations live like in the device specific thing. So which is something that especially as we did that ad reform one, I remember like like, oh, everything looks good. And then you like, oh, you click the toggle for mobile and you're like, okay, wait a second. We need to like hide some stuff in the nav. And like, so it was cool to have that toggle. Yeah. And the nice thing is you don't have to I don't think you have to have an account. So like somebody, you could share this with, you know, other folks that may be, you know, in your own, you know, internal, like internally in your own company or like externally. I think that's where like the agency use case probably comes in quite a bit. But being able to use this with people outside of your organization, like it's just, it looks nice. It's super slick. It's simple to kind of figure out how to get started, but it just saves a lot of time on the back and forth. And it's, you know, with us, we're always talking about like async work and this is a perfect tool for at least for us and our experience has been around kind of going back and forth on design changes in an async way so we love the product i was going to say one other way i used it recently was a lot of hosting providers like for deploying applications and stuff more and more of them are adding things for like review apps which is kind of like oh you have a pull request with like a new version of the app but you want to just spin up like a new environment like an ephemeral deployment of your app just to like visualize stuff without everyone having to like, like, so, you know, so I could share it with you, Landon, and you could see like the version before it's actually live, or I could share it with the developer and they could like give me feedback. We actually used it for that recently with our UI update. We just, we did like a UI refresh on Adderform. And so we just pushed up like a review app so that there was like a, we didn't have to like deploy to staging and then hopefully, you know, fix everything before we can deploy to production. We just like create a review app completely separate and use punch list to like, go back and forth on some copy changes and tweaks and stuff. So I'm sure I'm not their biggest customer, but if you're doing that kind of stuff, it's super useful. Like anything I can do to make it faster to iterate on like stuff like that, it's so much easier than me taking screenshots and putting them in GitHub because it's like so detached from the actual place. No, I remember what we did before. I remember what we did on the first user feed site. It was because we had an intern that we were doing it with. Also hosted on the Rails app. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. It was a bunch of screenshots and then me like writing out like different headlines, trying to keep it organized. I think it was via email or it might have been Basecamp. I can't remember. It was a terrible process and it was super confusing to you go back and forth. You don't know which thing is like 
is this still a thing? So yeah. yeah, like on these annotations or comments, you can like mark them as done, right? So it's like, it's clear, like I did the thing, I'm gonna get it out of my face instead of like this persistent comment in Basecamp or Notion that like you can't tell is done. So Totally, totally. So if anybody wants to try it out, we've worked out a little deal where if you use the promo code GRIT, you can get a free month. And I think that actually gets you more than a free month because they have a trial as well. So I can't remember if the trial is 14 days or 30 days. So you're looking at getting like over a month for free. Definitely check it out if you're building, you know, or changing your website, or if you're an agency that is doing this type of work for, for other customers, or if you're update, you know, making changes to PDFs, check out their site. They help you with a bunch of different types of files. So that's punchlist.com. And we hope you check it out. Moving on, I know we talked about, or we usually talk about at the end, like some cool stuff, like cool gadgets or whatever that we've started using. Yeah, the miscellaneous portion of the... Yeah, exactly. So if you're still here, yeah, I've been on the wait list for levels. Have you heard of that thing? I did. The blood... I remember. What... Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Blood I'm tracking. Like, I see so much stuff that I like don't even... It just goes out. Yeah. This is not like a sponsorship, but <laughs> it sounds like we're like jumping into a, another... Yeah, this is more of a... Another uh, sponsor, but uh, no... It's pretty cool so far. So you basically attach continuous glucose monitor to your arm or like your like tricep, which is a lot of like diabetics use these types of devices. But I guess their whole like premise is that everybody should be using these and that people that are diabetics can learn a lot about their overall health and what things affect their health by using continuous glucose monitor. Like basically you like you eat something and you're like, whoa, that like yeah spiked my exactly my glucose levels or whatever well it's cool they basically i guess i can't remember the name let's see i have like multiple apps on my phone now for this but it's called dexacom g6 that's like i guess the most popular glucose monitor and so what they did i don't know how they got this partnership but basically levels just they partnered with that company who makes the device they even have an app as well but it's terrible but they make the device and so they basically they put some sort of like API or something in the device and then they pull all that data to their app which then that's where like all the magic is so they're constantly testing your blood and your so glucose what you, levels like, what did they ship you what did you get I got a box with a bunch of and I, I'll get one every 30 days but I get like these devices that go on to like your arm or your abs and like it goes into obviously it goes into your skin so it's like pulling your blood but it, like you don't even feel it so it's that. And then they also have this little patch that goes around it to like hold it down. And then there's also this little device that goes like first you have the device that goes like into your arm. And then you have this other device that kind of looks like a microchip, but that goes like in the other device, if that makes sense. So you like clip that in and then you put this patch over it. I think that top piece is that is the API or some sort of like API or whatever. IOT. I don't know what they call it. But, some cool acronym. Yeah. And so then they're testing. The data is being sent to the Levels app. And what Levels has you do is basically they hook into a bunch of different like fitness type apps. So like with me, it's just all the Apple stuff. So they're seeing when I exercise, how many steps I take, all that kind of stuff from like an exercise and a sleeping standpoint. And then you manually add your meals. So you would just like just say like I just ate a sandwich or I you know, ate chicken for dinner, or I drank a Gatorade, coffee, whatever. And so you just list these out as you do them. And then that's basically like little flags in the data as it's, you know, pulling in your glucose data. And then it also will like, they call them zones, but it's like segments of time where you had like a few meals or a few like actions. So like maybe you worked out, maybe it was a meal, whatever, like when they're grouped together, they like zone them off or like kind of section them off. And then they'll give you insights like within those zones. They're like, oh, your blood spiked, you know, after you ate ice cream. Ice cream is not good for you. Ice cream, <laughs> like, it's like, it like, goes into all this science. There's like a huge article and all these different things about why you shouldn't eat that or why that has that effect on you. So yeah, it's pretty cool to kind of see like what things so far have affected me. The interesting thing is that I've had some like super low glucose like periods of low periods or whatever yeah. yeah it just like yeah it'll drop super low especially at night and then i have noticed that when it really spikes like i feel kind of i feel tired and like before you just didn't know what was going on you just felt tired maybe after you ate or whatever 
but now I can like see what's happening like in my actual blood. So do you feel like it's, I mean, is the intention that you wear one of these every day for the rest of your life kind of thing? No, no, I don't think so. So their intention is that they're using this data to like, it's like a research study for them. They're like learning from it because it's the first, like we're like the first people that have ever been consistently tested like this that are not diabetic. Yeah, it's like a massive sample size of like yep. different types of healthy individuals, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So that's one big thing. I think the biggest thing, like what they tell you to do in your first week is like, don't do anything different from what you typically do. And even like be the worst version of yourself for like this week, just to like see what that like low baseline is. And then start to make changes based on that. So like try to, you know, see how working out every day changes things. See, you know, if you want to go on the keto diet, see how that affects things. They also track your metabolic rate. So I guess they're just taking a couple different factors and I don't know, there's some formula or something, but they're tracking that. Today I ate terrible. I had like pizza, I had like noodles and I just drank whiskey. So, (laughs) and I didn't work out. And my stuff was all over the place today. Like it was not good. So you can kind of see that stuff for the first week. And then they, you know, the idea is that you take that information and you start to make changes and see how that affects the data. And I think the idea would be that like, if you can see that kind of stuff, then it's more motivating to make the changes. And sort of like you can measure the change. Yeah. Like, I guess like as someone who's thought about this some, maybe more than the average person, but not as much as like obviously the people who built this thing, but somewhere like maybe in the top 20% of people who've thought about nutrition or I don't know where I am in that world, but like I've done some research and reading and listening on this topic. So it's like, I can know that like if I eat a bunch of ice cream at 10 PM, like it's not going to be good for me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, there's other things that I'm probably doing that are less obviously that, and that can be more, almost more like pointed to me, not to like only my physiology, but like person A and person B might just have different reactions to certain things. And like the only way to really know some of those things is to do something like this, especially deprogramming like your defaults. That's something I think about a lot. Like you grow up a certain way and like either you're, you know, to simplify it, you're either kind of doing what you grew up with or you're reacting to it in terms of diet and exercise maybe even. And like, oh, you grew up like eating pasta every night and like that's what you do still or you hate pasta because you ate it so much as a kid. But either way, like it's interesting to sort of just like start with a blank canvas, put one of these things on and like just follow your body's signals (laughs) and see like, should I be eating this thing or is this like not good for me specifically? So, well, yeah, like I didn't feel good after I ate the pizza either. Like, I mean, I didn't feel like sick, but I just. I mean, I feel like I shit tired. after pizza, but yeah. it's, it tastes amazing. So exactly. I, will, I will continue doing it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like that actually was the, so far I've done it for four days now. The biggest spike that I've had was pizza, not even ice cream. Like freaking pizza was like the worst thing yeah, for me. So much. So was it, well, yeah, we don't need to name it. <laughs> so mushroom. is there like a, hey, do this for, th- like you said, you're going to get one every month, basically. Like do they run out eventually or? Yeah. you The Dexacom device is good for 10 days. So they give you three devices per month. And I think what I'm going to do is try to do like two months. And then just like, hopefully that will be enough for me to, at that point, like kind of know what, what my triggers are. And then like choose to do something or not. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) One thing I've already noticed is that when I have had the spikes, the high spikes, one of the things that it told you is like, if you are having a high spike, if you go walk, it will like almost immediately bring it down, do some sort of it, physical activity. It's just like burning that sugar off. Basically. Yep. I've never even heard of that before, but I did like, I've tried it a couple of times and it does like within like 30 minutes, it's like back down into the normal range, which is like 120 milliliters or something. I don't know what the measure is, but 120 down to like, I think 50, that's like the range you want to stay in all the time. And so like you're constantly like it's a, like an effort to try to get back into that range. And that's the same thing for I I would assume like a diabetic and they have like a lot of problems with like going outside of that range like all the time. Like for literally no reason. So that's why it's like a problem for them. But like we have a little bit more control if you're not a diabetic based on what you eat and whatnot and your exercise and things like that. So Yeah, I wish I wish like my watch could just do it somehow. I know. Obviously that's not the case. Yeah. But. Eventually, eventually. 
the interesting thing was i don't look at my watch data i was just talking about this the other day to someone like i don't look at that stuff all the time but i do typically sleep like i run with it walk with it sleep with it and i'll periodically just check it and it's like usually it's just confirming something i already know which is like you slept terribly at least right now because i have a baby so it's like i'm not sleeping very much (laughs) but it would be cool to have that historic like sort of that continual like continuous monitoring so you can look back and line things up instead of having to do it like having to remember to like do it and then like notice it i guess i guess there's historical data in there too which is cool well that's why i don't think it's i don't think this is something you could do all the time like for the long term it's like a know thyself experiment yeah 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 i think two months will be enough plus it's like okay like there's obviously like a price to this so i think there was an upfront fee i can't remember what it was yeah i was looking at the website and it's very they don't say anything it's very okay it does say two hundred dollars a year for the app okay and then two hundred dollars per kit shipment or something yep yeah 199 yeah it's not not cheap but also if it works or if it like i don't know i don't know how to like measure that but it's like if you found like one or two things that you changed that made your life you know notably better like that's worth it yeah i mean it's a healthcare related thing i don't really care like i don't really look at price that much when it comes to stuff like that these things are always interesting too i'm like i always kind of think about like what are the negative and positive like byproducts of something like this or sort of like down I don't know, cascading effects of these kind of the existence of these kind of things. One is, is there like stuff happening with this data that I wouldn't be happy about? I don't see that being, I mean, that's always a concern, but like, it seems like it wouldn't be a too big of a concern. It's not like the DNA stuff. Like it's a little bit less, maybe less personal than that. But I do think about like health insurance. Like, it's like, I guess you could see that becoming like, oh, looks like you already have, yeah, like you're predisposed to diabetes, even though you don't have it. So um you're actually that's or it could be good for you if you aren't <laughs> no it could go either way like hey you're doing this levels thing and like it's going great so like we're gonna give you a break although Dude, it's just it's just that. like the car thing what's the thing they stick on your car and they're like we can lower your bill if you're a good driver yeah yeah what's exactly. that thing which like, feels like somewhat invasive but at least it's my car and not my body yeah yeah but yeah. yeah so we'll see it is interesting like the little thing that goes in your arm it's like a hair fiber i have no idea how it actually has enough force to go into your arm but i should check out like i see they have like some podcasts and blogs and stuff i should i'm curious about the monitor like how they're making money because that's not that they're not making money (laughs) well i mean how they plan to like yeah that's what would concern me here is like i'm thinking it would be super cool if this was just like hey we ship you this sensor and like you download this app but it's like all the data lives on your phone and is encrypted or something and like we literally don't care about your data and we sell you the device for like we actually have to make money on the device sale or whatever. Well, it's not even their device. Or whatever. I'm just so saying like, it would be cool. To, I don't think there's a huge market for this in general, and especially if it's super expensive. But it would be cool if there was like, hey, if you don't want us to like aggregate all your data, like you can just pay the actual like list price for the thing, and we will not do that. I think they're backed by Andreessen Horowitz. Yeah, I don't know if they're really making money. I've been on the wait list for like, over a year so i don't know if that's because they haven't figured stuff out yet i will say the onboarding experience to getting like to setting it up like getting this on my arm and setting up all the apps and all these it's very confusing for like the average person because you have to like the device is from like another company and you also have to set up their app then you have to sync the apps i mean it's definitely like early adopter phase of this oh yeah whole thing totally i'm assuming they're going after like more like a tech crowd anyways so but like yeah, I was going you're through it. To, like if you're on the wait list, like you're going to do the thing. Basically. No, I mean, it's yeah. Some of the early COVID tests were like the at home tests were like, wait a second. Like the average person, there's no way in hell they can figure this out. My dad would like his head would explode trying to <laughs> trying like, to no, figure out how to set this like, up. No, you just completely yeah, you just did it wrong. <laughs> but like the, I've noticed the newer ones, they're like dead simple. They're like they figured it out. Like it's like super simple. But yeah, it's. They're going to have to figure that part out because that was way too, it took too much time. And I was trying to like, at first I was like, oh, I'll just set this up like while I'm like, I happen to be like at home with both the kids. And then like I get into like the first couple steps and I'm like, nope, (laughs) this is way too complicated. I'm about to stick something in my arm to get blood out. I think I probably need like (laughs) a little 100% focus. Yeah. I can't be holding a baby. But yeah, it's pretty cool. I am excited to see what it says. And then they also, they recommend that you also get like, if I get this every year anyways, but like a blood test, I think you can do it. I don't know if you do it through them or like, I'm not sure what it is, but it's supposed to also be 
like you're pairing that with the data, I guess. I don't know if I'll do that or not, but I am due to do like a large scale, just, I don't know, general blood test. But yeah, it's interesting. But I'm always game to do stuff for like health reasons or at least try it. And yeah, I mean, it would be cool too if you like, you could see a future where like all these sensors that we're getting data from, like, like I was saying, I don't really look at all of it all the time. It's like, I almost want like a coach or like a, you know, a health consultant to just be like, oh, here, like, give me all your things and I'll like tell you what to do. Like you should avoid all these foods and whatever, whatever. Yeah. There's one other thing that I want to do, but it is actually very expensive, but it's like this full body scan. So you go to, I can't remember if it's like, I think it might be an MRI, but it's like an entire body scan MRI type of thing. And it's from like your ankles to your, maybe it does your head. I'm not sure. I think it might be ankles to neck, but it gets like, you know, they're going to get a view of like basically everything. And it's supposed to spot, you know, cancers and, you know, potential tumors and like all kinds of things that you just would have never known about. And I forgot what it was, but maybe we can talk about it next time or I can put a link in the podcast. But it's like, I want to say it's like $2,500 or something. It's definitely like I would assume it's not covered by insurance, but you can only do it in a few cities. It's in like five cities right now. But before like, you know, the stock market crashed and like the economy sucks. I was like, yeah, I'll go, you know, spend $2,500 on this. I'll like fly to like wherever i think they have one like austin or new york city or whatever i'll just fly out there just for that thing (laughs) and then come home but i do think it like it sounds cool and apparently they've prevent they've already like they had some statistic of like how many people's lives they saved last year or something that like found these like random things they would have never they had no symptoms they would have never known anything about it for a while like tumors and stuff like that but they caught it early because it was yeah. yeah exactly so there's a lot of really cool stuff out there now with around like healthcare. Of course, none of it's covered with by your health insurance if you're in the U.S. But <laughs> just add it to the list of gigantic expenses for yeah. U.S. healthcare. There we go. We got like a letter in the mail from our insurance company. It was like your bill is going up, and it was just like two and a half x our normal monthly bill. I'm like, wait, what? Why? There's literally no explanation. So of course now it's like inflation. On <laughs> it's on us to like figure out who screwed up and like, you know, and then it would, the best part was we called them and it was like, Oh, that phone, the phone support is down for Cigna in Georgia. It's like, wait, what? So I went online and it was like, go to your payment portal. And it's like, Oh, that's offline too. It's all one system. Like what is going on? Like anyway, it's all terrible. Yeah. I'll do a quick product review for something. I just got some random gadget. I impulse bought the, I don't know if you saw the pixie from Snapchat, like snap the makers of Snapchat. No, they created like a little autonomous drone thing. What photo drone? Yeah, it's like it's like a handheld thing. Wait a second, it's a flying drone. Yeah, it's a drone, but it's like super cute and fun, and it's not at all like the ones you're used to. And it's self, like it flies itself, so you don't. There's no remote or anything. But yeah, I just got it. I ordered it a few months back when I saw it coming out, and I just got it like last week, and it's pretty fun. Like it just flies and like it watches your face, so it can like. It'll do like 360 fly around you and then it lands back in your hand. And like you can then take the videos and pictures off of it. Are the pictures high quality or is it shaking at all? No, it's pretty good. Like it's not, I think I've seen like, you know, more hardcore people in the drone world being like, this is stupid, whatever. Like you could get all this other stuff and it's way better. And I mean, I don't think as cameras go, it's like, it's not, I don't remember the actual resolution. I think it's like 1080p or something. It's not like insane, but for me, it's like, it's good. And like, you know, to get a picture of a group of people at a thing, it's pretty fun. It's a fun yeah, way to that's do it. Cool. And it'll like, there's a mode where it'll like follow you around for a little bit. The battery doesn't last super long, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a fun thing. So that's cool. I'll have to show you sometime. Yeah, it looks cool. I had a drone for like two weeks, a couple of years ago, and then I hit a tree and that was the end of that. Well, that's what the one thing I, <laughs> yeah, I was it was like $500 too. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. I was playing with this thing and I was like near like a creek bed when I first started playing with it. And I was like, oh, I'm a little like I suddenly was like, especially because I can't control it. Like, I don't know what it's going to do necessarily. So I was like, uh, I mean, it mostly stays close ish to the subject, but that's going to be an interest. It's not the highest. It's like plastic, too. So I, I feel like it would break. pretty. Oh, easy. no, it's definitely going to break. The weird thing about mine was, I mean, it like slammed the ground. But when I went up to it 
everything on it was pretty much okay but the literally the power button was like jammed down in like it got like that's the part that got slammed and it got jammed down into it it probably is pretty easy to fix and i really should do that because my wife got me that for my birthday and i like destroyed it or like i broke it like a weekend and then i just never tried to get it fixed ever (laughs) because i didn't know what i didn't know what to do like i'm sure there's like well, it's Some just people those, that can like, fix that stuff. List, right? It's like, I'm sure there's like a YouTube video you could watch and like, I know. get like a certain tool or whatever. I'm just going to give it to Zito and be like, hey, dude, can you just figure out thing. how to go fix this thing? Like, just go call, like, whatever. Like, we'll pay you. I don't know. Just figure it out. But yeah, so I think that's probably it. We're probably at like an hour now. So we're going to try to start recording a lot more. I think now that we are, <laughs> now that we're doing sponsorships and there's more of that kind of stuff going on, I think that'll be a good forcing function for us to make sure that we're doing at the very minimum two a month. Well, we also have like 75 things going on, which in some <laughs> ways is counter to the goal of having more podcasts, but also gives us a lot of fodder for yeah. chatting about stuff. Well, it also like, I feel like I've seen this with other podcasts out there, but or like bootstrapper podcast, you know, they started the podcast around the time that they started their business. And then their business has kind of like gotten beyond where it, like it's not that interesting to talk about the stuff about the business anymore i guess because it's just more of like a it's not as much about like starting it anymore and more just sort of like the daily optimizations or whatever but i think this will be good because it'll give us like a little bit of kind of like diversity in what we're talking about in terms of like the stage of the business yeah totally well also one thing i want to mention that i didn't really realize we crossed 50 episodes which is cool Oh, nice. The last episode was number 50. Boom. Time to celebrate. You're probably not drinking right now, are you? I actually did. I did have a little ginger beer with some bourbon. So nothing too intense because I need to get some rest. But I'm about to go grab some more. What was it? Go get get some more. Maybe get a little YouTube time and watch some January 6th hearing. (laughs) Get really mad. Get really upset. Spike your glue. Then go to sleep. Yeah, I want to see. Yeah, I want to see if that spikes my. Like, <laughs> does watching this, you know, does watching the news spike my glucose? If you have two or three drinks, the pizza is soon to follow. So. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Cool. I think that's about it. Well, yeah. Good to be back, and thank you again to our sponsor, Punchlist. So check that out, Punchlist.com, and yeah, we'll talk again soon. All right. See you.